it's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Hello and welcome to another episode of Gold Faithful. I'm Brian Peacock. Next to me, as always, Nick Winkler. How you doing, man? I'm, I'm fantastic. we got a great guest lined up today. I'm yes, very excited. Very excited about the show this week. We have 49ers beat writer Matt Barrows from the Sacramento Bee. And, uh, and practice is happening. Yeah, things are happening on the field, which is awesome. We get to hear this guy. Bludgeon, 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 bludgeon. Yes. Tom Sula's energy. There's a little... Uh, thing on NFL Network with uh, sound effects, and it was him at practice, and he's just, I don't know how he has a voice left after practice. So much energy with him at practice. He's not as good in front of a microphone, but right. we just let him go, wind him up at practice. Really cool. Yeah, and I can see how his energy is infectious to the team, for sure. Let's go around the league and, and look at some stories. Um, Arian Foster is a big one. It's huge. So, uh, obviously, practices are starting, so we're going to start to see some injuries as well. Foster, not the first time he's been hurt in his career, but most likely out for at least the first half of the season. He's going to have mm. groin surgery, so that's not good for him. Deshaun, like the worst place you want to have surgery. Yeah, yeah I don't want to have anything ever near my groin. Yeah. Well, let's uh, move on. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Deshaun Jackson out with a separated shoulder uh, from hitting a, bo- a blocking sled. Yeah, just a couple weeks there, though, right? Yeah, a couple weeks, which mm-hmm. makes you wonder why Jackson was anywhere near a sled since he's never blocked in his life. Um, it's kind of weird. There, there was a funny little... Back and forth with Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. Did you see this? No, I didn't. So Brandon Marshall signed in the offseason with the Jets. Sure. Former wide receiver over there in Chicago. Um, Speaking to NFL Network, Jay Cutler said of Marshall, no one likes their ex-girlfriend after a breakup. Uh, And that was in response to Marshall uh, telling Newsday, I feel like I was the only one in the organization that had the huevos to hold Jay Cutler accountable. Did he actually say huevos? Yeah. Yeah, That's his quote, huevos. I I enjoy good huevos around Yeah, so Absolutely. And uh, so that was a funny little comeback. So ex-girlfriends there having a little spat, Jay Cutler and Brandon Marshall. But luckily, no injuries with the 49ers. Yeah, yeah. Fingers crossed. You know, knock on wood, do all that fun stuff. A couple scary moments. You know, of course, the field torn up again during practice. And the scary moment, Mike Davis slipped, making a cut. Uh, He got up slow. Appeared to be fine. No, uh, No reports of any injury there. But... I mean, that's just scary, man. Five different fields last season. They're going to tear it up again after the Taylor Swift concert next week. So, oh, man, it's just... I wonder what their, their just the resodding budget is. I mean, yeah. It's a billion-dollar stadium, right? So how much do you set aside yeah. for resodding it every two weeks? This and is, do they keep going nuts. with different people? And, you know, everyone yeah, I assume someone's been up. fired, if not multiple people have been <laughs> fired already because this something's not oh, working out. Man. The most important part of a football stadium is the, the turf that you play the on. The field, yeah. Right. Oh, man. Uh, Chris Cook has been released. You're right. Uh, they also waived offensive lineman Ben Gottschalk. He also had an injury, so they have an open spot there. They did sign Nigel King, who was a wide receiver out of Kansas, undrafted free agent. He was waived, I believe, a couple weeks ago by the Miami Dolphins. 30 catches for 537 yards and a touchdown in 2014 at Kansas. Not a huge prospect, so most likely just a camp body. But Yeah, a um, lot of deep. It's a lot of depth right now at wide receiver. Right. We'll actually get to that. We'll break down the wide receiving core, yes, tight ends. Some other undrafted free agents, too. Yeah, they got to look really good in camp, so it's going to be really tough for him to make uh, any make the team at all. But right. we got let's talk about these Frank Gore comments, right? Yeah, kind of a big deal. Gore uh, is, is asked about you know how he's liking Indianapolis so far. Here, here are his actual comments. Not knocking my other quarterbacks. I love when people say that right before they actually do something. You know, like no offense, but let me offend you. I respect them other guys, but being around this guy a couple of months, obviously, talking about Andrew Luck, he's a different breed. He's smart. He makes me feel young. He runs the huddle. 
I never had that. That is that a knock? I mean, it's, it I, is, I right? think it's just. I mean, he's being honest, which I appreciate. Sure. And I don't think Frank Gore is the type to. You know, he's not. He's. Yeah. Not going to burn any bridges. He's just being straight up honest. Um, but this is what Cap had to say about that. I mean, it's not something I'm worried about. We're moving forward. Uh, it's a new season, new coaching staff, new players. Uh, that's all we're worried about right now. Yeah, you know, you hear a lot about Harbaugh, you know, in his time there and how he would run the huddle in practice, not Kaepernick. So right. obviously that, that makes a lot of sense, too. You, you see a lot of the reasons why they had problems with uh, full, or uh, delay of game penalties, right? Oh, I mean, if if your coach is calling the plays in the huddle during practice, uh, you practice how you play. Exactly. You know? So maybe things exactly. got a little confusing for Kaepernick practice during the game. Practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. There you go. Right? Uh, so this is what Cap had to say about finally getting a chance to, to call his own plays during practice. I feel like the opportunity has been put in front of me to do that. So he's... All right. It sounds like... Well, oh, now... So I didn't think about this. Now the new story is they're going to go to Harbaugh and say, hey, Cap said he's finally going to get an opportunity. <laughs> right. So now there's a new story there. Did, I can't wait Was for that, that a dig at Harbaugh? Yeah. No. So um, just the tempo early in camp with the offense is... Uh, I'm so glad. It's to, been good. Yeah. I'm so glad you that like it. the offense is trying to get plays in within 15 seconds rather than just the entire play clock. Yeah, and obviously um, it's just, you know, these are dry runs, you know. They've had a couple of practices in pads, but no real hitting going on. Uh, but still very exciting to, to watch all that. Also exciting to kind of see how things are shaping up. You know, there are a lot of questions surrounding the offensive line. Uh, it's looking like the first string offense going forward uh, is Joe Staley left tackle. No surprise there. Alex Boone left guard again. Yeah, he's kinda, been swung over to the left side, which yeah. is kind of surprising. Yeah, but um, if they could just dominate one side, yeah, so, especially and, the blind side. Yeah, so yeah. Cap's blind side is pretty much taken care of, which which I like, but that leaves a lot of question marks on the other side. It really with does. Kilgore still being out as well. Yeah, you got Looney there. He's taking snaps at center. Marcus Martin is apparently looking a bit overmatched there at that right guard position. And you got Eric Pierce, who's a veteran at right tackle. Uh, and they, they've been primarily taking all of the snaps with the first team, so trying to get a little uh, cohesion going with those guys. So it sounds like they think Brandon Thomas is probably a long-term piece, maybe at right tackle. Yeah, Trent um, Brown also seeing a little bit of time right. with the second team at both tackle spots, kind of seeing where he can go. Marcus Martin also working a little bit at center. So uh, so maybe that's that's something. Uh, maybe he goes in as, as the backup to, to Kilgore. A lot of question marks surrounding Kilgore. That, that's a little worrisome for me. That is worrisome. The injury started at the end of last year, November, October. Right, that sounds about right. Yeah. So for him not to be on the field yet is a little bit concerning. Yeah, you know, with all the talk about, oh, lost, you know, two great offensive linemen. I mean, the Niners gave up 52 sacks last year. That's tied for third most in the NFL. So it wasn't that great of an offensive mm-hmm. line, especially when it came to pass protection. So it, it's really, it's worrying me a lot. Right, really so. I mean, keep, keeps me up at night. And with uh, throwing the ball to the running backs, hopefully, is, you know, just because, Sometimes the offensive line broke down and Cap was getting sacked, but other times right. he was holding on to the ball too long. He yeah. was looking for that big play down the field. He was able You're to exactly extend right. plays with his legs long enough to where you know he has the ability, because sometimes that's a hindrance. I've heard people talk about how being athletic as a quarterback is almost a hindrance because you're not relying on the pocket and making that quick throw because you know you can do something else. Yeah, it, your first option isn't there. You're, you're immediately thinking, run. Right. That, that's your instinct because uh-huh. that's what you've always done in high school and college leading up to this. Even for Kaepernick, once you got in the pros, I mean, that's what gave him the name. You know, that's what put right. him on the map for his legs. And, and obviously he's got a great arm. But, but yeah, it, it's one of those things you, you worry about that as well, you know. Is Kaepernick, 
is he going to go back to that? You know, he worked with Kurt Warner so much in the offseason. You love that. You love I, I noticed a little bit of change in his in his delivery too. Uh one of the great things about practices so far are uh all the slow-mo touchdown catches and passes yeah, and things they, like that. And that I love see. how they say, oh, so-and-so scored a touchdown in practice. Yeah. Come on. They're yeah. not even tackling. I know. Everybody <laughs> scores a touchdown on every play. That's <laughs> uh, so right. So we talk a lot about the offense. Defense, uh, middle linebacker Nick Mooney reportedly looking good. Yeah. Filling in for Will Navarro Hoy. Bowman is yeah. on the field. That's exciting, contact, right? Contact work the first time since his knee injury late 2013. So that is it's really a huge awesome. step. It's a huge hurdle for him to get over. Uh, obviously, they're having an off day today. Uh, they'll get back to practice tomorrow, which will be Friday, Saturday, Sunday, off Monday, practice Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. And then they're going to Houston. I mean, look how close we are to actual games here. Yeah, we know that they're exhibition games, but it's going to mean a lot. It's going to you know, give a lot of these young guys, especially you know, uh, unproven guys, maybe a lot of these undrafted free agents, a chance to, to show themselves. This yeah. is when it gets started. With, with all the X's and O's and the stuff that an NFL – team has to get together and get mm-hmm. on the same page as it's really always kind of uh it's surprising how quickly games come so as soon quick. camp starts two weeks boom you're yeah. playing in games so yeah that's gonna be really interesting good and bad news for the offensive line this week it sounded like they bounced back a little bit after multiple reports that the unit was being dominated in early practices but wednesday apparently they came back and and looked a lot better so that's at least a good uh a good sign there. And we have a cornerback depth chart from Matt Barrows, who we are going to talk to a little bit later. Uh, you said the starters, Tremaine Brock, Sharice Wright. Those mm-hmm. are the guys that are in on two wide receiver sets on passing downs. Dante Johnson has been the third one on the field. Brock moves inside to nickel. And then Dante Johnson's the number three guy, it looks like. Jimmy Ward, who was drafted to be the nickel specialist right. there, uh, still hasn't come back yet from his foot injury. That'll be exciting when he finally does come back. Yeah, so that'll that'll potential be a little battle that. for that third spot for sure. Yeah, defensive line very deep. Uh, Quinton Dial, uh, Ian Williams, Glenn Dorsey. They're they're looking like they're going to be the the starting three there in the base package. It looks like it's going to be a big rotation too, because so they're yeah. going to yeah they're going to filter in Tank Carradine. Yeah, he's obviously he's to go get the quarterback. Good. So mm-hmm. um, that's going to be interesting, and it's awesome to see that the depth and that they're playing at a high level early in camp. Yeah, very exciting stuff. All right, should we get to Matt Barrows? Oh, let's do it. Let's yeah, let's give him a call. All right, joining us now, uh, covering the 49ers for the Sacramento Bee since 2003, it's Mr. Matt Barrows. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me on, guys. Yeah, you bet. You know, I mentioned you've uh, you've been covering them since 2003. It means when you first took over the gig, it was kind of a rough stretch of uh, seasons in a row there. That being said, it's been pretty good over the last four years. This team, this year, how do they stack up? I mean, is it closer to the earlier years or, or, or more like the, the recent teams? Well, the early years, that 2003 team had, um, you know, Terrell Owens and it had um, Garrison Hurst and um, uh, Jeff Garcia. There, there were some big names on that team. And if, if you uh, are old enough and if you remember, they uh, really um, uh, cleaned out their house that, that offseason after that 2003 year. Uh, Garcia was gone. Owens was gone. Derek Deese was gone, Garrison Hurst was gone, and they really started over, and they felt like they had some good talent, that they could do that. Tim Rattay was going to replace Garcia, and Kevin Barlow was going to replace Hurst, etc., and obviously it didn't work out. They were, they were bad, and they were bad for a long time, as you noted. Uh, the, the only other uh, off-season that compares with that is, is this one, <laughs> in right, terms yeah. of, uh, of a mass exodus. But... Having said all that, um, I, I don't think it's going to be as uh, as destructive. I don't think it's going to be starting from 
ground zero like we had in 2004. That team went went two and fourteen, I believe. Right. Yeah. Um, the bottom of the roster now is a lot stronger than it exactly. was back then. Exactly. It's uh, it's a stack roster. Just let's, let's just look at one spot defensive uh, line. They lost two long t- time long term starters in Justin Smith and Ray McDonald. Uh, two real uh, stalwarts uh, on that defense. Usually when that happens, a, a team has to start over, but that's still the deepest position on this team. I mean, they're, they're struggling to find snaps for Eric Armstead, who's a first-round pick. That doesn't happen on most teams. So right. I don't think it's going to be the, uh, the reboot, the start over, start from ground zero that we had 2003-2004. Um, I don't know what it's going to be. It, it's sort of uncharted waters, but... Um, I don't think it's going to be as bad as, as we've seen in the last decade or so. Oh, man, thank God we don't have to deal with the uh, Tim Rattay, Giovanni <laughs> Carmazzi years again. Mm. Those, those were some lean years. So uh, I was doing traffic on KHTK in Sacramento uh, on Wednesday. You were on with Grant Napier. You said something interesting that I wanted to follow up on here, actually. Uh, new cornerback Sharice Wright, who's with San Diego last season, said the 49ers offense was was very easy to prepare for. Um, do you get the feeling that that was more of a Colin Kaepernick thing, or was that a, a Greg Roman overall offensive philosophy thing? I think um, both of those um, uh, go into it. Uh, I think the fact that Vernon Davis was having a, a down year, um, I think the fact that no one really um, was uh, fearful of, of Michael Crabtree's speed, um, and uh, it was clear that Anquan Bolden was, was, was Colin Kaepernick's favorite target. Um, you know, uh, another defensive back, Antoine Bethay, um, said something earlier in the week, and he said that he, he noticed that Colin Kaepernick was surveying the field more. He wasn't telegraphing his throws. Uh, and it was a bit unprompted, and, and the uh, inference was that he had been telegraphing his throws in the past. And it was something that Colin Kaepernick was working on this past off season, and Bethay could see the progress that he was making. So uh, I, I think um, certainly Colin Kaepernick is to blame for a lot of it. Um, uh, I think probably every young quarterback um, telegraphs his, his throws, and uh, once he gets that snap, he knows where he's going with the ball, and he'll lock into that one spot. And that's what you've got to mm-hmm. learn how to uh, not do. You've got to learn to be able to freeze that safety You've got to be able to learn to, to throw the ball all around the field. And um, I, I think Colin Kaepernick is, is trying to do that this offseason, um, but it, it's not going to happen overnight. It's not going to happen uh, in, in week one. I think this is going to be a uh, very much a learning process. And, uh, you know, the hope is that by the end of the season, uh, he has made noticeable strides in that area. Um, I can tell you in, in Wednesday's practice, he was having a very good practice when they started to do uh, red zone work, and uh, he got the ball at maybe the, the 15, 16-yard line and stared down his receiver, stared down Torrey Smith right uh, into the end zone, and uh, Nick Moody followed his eyes downfield and, and snatched the ball right at the goal line for an interception. So, oh, the red zone. Uh, obviously, um, you know, it's still <laughs> a uh, work in progress. Yeah, you know, in that same interview on KHTK, you you made a, a pretty bold statement. I, I liked it. You, you mentioned that... Uh, that it was probably the best wide receiver corp you've seen since Terrell Owens left. I mean, obviously we know Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith, but there's a pretty good battle going on for that third receiver spot. You know, is it going to be Bruce Ellington? Is it Quentin Patton? You know, maybe even Jerome Simpson uh, gets into the mix there. Can you maybe uh, touch on that battle a little bit? 
Yeah, well, you know, to me it's going to be, you know, whatever the 49ers decide to do on a given play, that determines who the, the number three wide receiver is. You know, at the end of the year we can look at the stats and there will be a clear, you know, number three target for mm-hmm. Colin Kaepernick. But, um, you know, Jerome Simpson offers a, a downfield threat. And uh, I think it will be interesting if both he and Torrey Smith are on the field at the same time along with Anquan Bolden because both of those guys – can uh, take off downfield and take the safety with them, uh, but it, you know if if they're uh, doing more, um, you know Randall Cobb or Percy Harvin type of stuff with a guy coming out of the backfield or mm-hmm. a guy working in the slot, I think it'll be Bruce Ellington. I uh, you know my my point is that different guys offer different skill sets, and I think the 49ers will will take advantage of that. Um, they, they've been so committed, at least uh, vocally, to wanting to uh you know have those explosive plays those downfield plays that i i I would i my guess is that jerome simpson is going to be the guy that that gets probably more snaps than anyone uh other than uh uh, bolden and uh uh, smith at that position but you know uh you could also make the argument that you know jerome simpson doesn't do anything on special teams so if you you're wanting to keep a you know, X amount of wide receivers, uh, is he the best guy to keep? Maybe you keep Quinton Patton and Bruce Ellington and one of these uh, undrafted rookies that are looking so good. Um, it, that's, uh, you know, the, the bottom of that position group is is interesting, and I think the tra- training camp and the preseason will, you know, it'll all play out there. Right, so it sounds like Jerome Simpson's either the number three, a clear number three, or he's probably not on the 53-man roster at all. Yeah, I think that's a good way of putting it. Um, I've been able to go. I cut the cord recently. We've been talking about this. I'm so excited about it. I've got the the NFL Rewind going on now, so I was able to go back and watch some games recently. Um, and I actually just watched the San Diego game, and it, it was it was kind of nice to see the end of the season. There's a lot of these guys that are going to get a lot of run this year yeah. that were playing towards the end of the year. And uh, Bruce Ellington uh, was in the slot, and I could see how they kind of want to use him. He ran one of those little fly sweeps from the slot on the goal line. And actually ran through Sharice Wright, who was on the <laughs> the Chargers, and Sharice Wright got hurt on the play. So that kind of gives you a little bit of something because Ellington's fast and he's short, but he's he's a tough guy. Yeah, so it's it, be interesting it should be noted see. first of all that uh, Sharice Wright thought the Forty ers were easy to prepare for, but the, the Chargers still gave up uh, what was it, 155 yards to uh, Frank Gore and 151 on the ground to Colin Kaepernick. So right. even though they knew what was coming. Uh, it was still a, a difficult uh, offense to stop at times. Uh, but you're right. I mean, I think in that game, Bruce Ellington scored both a, a rushing touchdown and a, uh, a uh, receiving one. So that, that kind of shows you the type of uh, player he is. And, uh, you know, you, you only need to look at uh, the Seahawks, uh, how they use Percy Harvin uh, at times uh, in the past, and Randall Cobb, uh, and, and some other uh, players across the NFL. It's sort of this quasi. Uh, running back wide receiver right. position, and Bruce Ellington is um, is very much running back like in in his physique. I mean, he's a well built guy, low to the ground. Uh, he, he obviously played wide receiver at South Carolina, but uh, remember he also played basketball as well. So physically, he's he's very well built. He's a sturdy guy, um, very much unlike a lot of uh, young receivers that that come out as rookies. Usually they're uh, you know, more spindly. They don't have the muscle and the right. weight yet, but uh, Ellington has all that, and uh, I think the 49ers really see nice potential in him. Do you see uh, Reggie Bush sort of 
in the same sort of a mold. You see, like maybe Reggie Bush and Bruce Ellington doing that kind of slot uh, split out work, whereas uh, Quentin Patton and Jerome Simpson are sort of battling for that outside job. Yeah, I think you're right. I mean, uh, that's been uh, Reggie Bush's bailiwick uh, basically since he got into the league, and, and, and <laughs> especially show, so in, in recent years, um, you know, catching balls out of the backfield. I don't think there's any active running back that has more receptions than uh, Reggie Bush, and um, you know, he's been helpful to Colin Kaepernick, frankly. Uh, Colin Kaepernick uh, never having really thrown a lot of those passes uh, because uh, a he hasn't been asked to. Uh, was not a big part of Greg Roman's offenses at all. And B, he's just not very good at it. I mean, little touch passes were not his forte. Uh, he, you know, he's, he's the guy with a big arm. Uh, and and change-ups were not the pitch that he was used to throwing. So I think that that, uh, that was a smart signing uh, by the 49ers, to bring in somebody who not only, only has, can, has done it and can do it, but can also help the quarterback out in, in learning how to – you run that play efficiently because uh, I think it will be. I don't. I don't want to say staple, but um, I, I think they're certainly going to go to that more often than they did in the past. Yeah, you know, Matt, you had a great article the other day focusing on uh, Eric Armstead and a few of the other, well, pretty much all of the other rookies in camp. And so, do you see anyone from this rookie crop making a significant impact this season? No, not unless there are injuries. I mean, if right. there are injuries at safety, uh, Jaquaski Tart could, uh, you know, have a significant role. If there are injuries at tight end, uh, Blake Bell could, et cetera, et cetera. I mean, you know, Bradley Pinion. Yes, could, See, could that's why Nick asked this question. Guy. He wanted to hear you say something about Bradley Pinion's majestic punts. Yeah, good call. I was just going down the list. There are ten guys, so you got yeah. you got to think of them all. But Pinion could be both a punter and, and a kickoff specialist. Right. Uh, you know, he's been booming kickoffs out of the back of the end zone. So if, if the 49ers don't want to have to re, uh, you know, cover any kicks this season, then they just put Bradley Pinion in there. So, um, you know, he, he could end up playing quite a bit. And, uh, you know, his punts, and, and I, I'm not taking any, anything away from Andy Lee, who is a Pro Bowl caliber punter. Sure. And we've seen some monster punts from him. But you hear Bradley Pinion's punts at practice. <laughs> you look up. And there's this little speck in the air, and that's, that's the football, and, it's, and it takes so long to come back down. Uh, it's, uh, it's impressive, some of the balls that he, uh, he puts up there. Well, props to Trent Baalke, then, if Pinion works sure. out, because I know some uh, 49ers fans' heads probably exploded when they heard that they yeah. drafted a punter. A lot, lot of hate on round. that. The only kicker taken in the entire draft. Yeah, the only uh, special teams guy, I think. Yeah. It might have been a long snapper. You know, speaking of special teams, uh, how about Jared Hain? How does he look out there? He, uh, on special teams, he looks natural, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, you know as he should because it's uh, very similar to what he would have done in, in the rugby league in uh, in Australia. You know, catching a punt and then running in open space, and I, I think that's why the 49ers took a flyer on him is because they they could kind of see that um, that that fit naturally. You could very easily see what he was doing in Australia and apply that to something that he would do in, here in the states and. In American football, the, the question for Hain is is running back and you know lowering that that pad level and running through tackles and they really haven't had. I mean, it was billed as a uh, full contact practice on Tuesday. It, it and they were in pads, but there was no tackling to the ground or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And, and, and defensive players were taking care of their offensive teammates. So we still haven't seen a real football practice to this point. Um, 
it's clear that uh, Hayne is lowering his pad level a little bit more when he does make contact in, into the line. And I thought he did a good job of, you know, uh, maintaining his momentum and, and continuing to push through. But it's it's also clear that, you know, he's way behind somebody like Mike Davis, right. um, their, their fourth-round pick out of South Carolina. So, uh, I really, uh, barring injuries, uh, I really can't see him factoring in at running back this year. To me, he's he's the perfect practice squad type of guy. Uh, you keep him on the practice squad. He can do a lot of things on your scout team because he's so fast, and he's a good size, too. He's 220 pounds. The question to me is, does a guy who's 27, uh, who is well-established in another sport, could make a lot of money in another sport if he wanted to, does he want to toil for a year on the practice squad? Uh, Lawrence Okoye will do that because he's he's still 21, 22 years old and, and really has nowhere, no nothing else to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you can't make a good living, you know, being a discus thrower right. <laughs> uh, in a, in a non-Olympic year. So it's uh, it's a little bit the apples and oranges if you compare those two guys. Um, Hain, you know, Hain could make a, a healthy living and you know be written up in uh, sporting magazines and and this and that if he wanted to in Australia. Um, I don't know if he wants to kind of put the uh, you know slum it in the uh, in, in the in the on the practice squad, if you will, uh, for for a full season. One more question before uh, we let you go here, Matt, and it's sort of a big picture thing. I don't, maybe it's too easy, too early to tell, but is this Caps team? Uh, Harbaugh had such a large presence the last four years. Tom Sula obviously doesn't really relish in the spotlight for how vocal a guy he is on the field. Um, it seems like Trent Baalke is a little more upfront than than he has been in the past. But but whose team is this? It's, it's, it's a great question. Um, Harbaugh, for all of his quarterback whisperer, um, you know, profile, um, you know, the, the flip side of that coin is that he, he took over that position. Um, and, uh, you know, he called the plays during practice and whatnot uh, and was very visible during, you know, practices, uh, especially with the offense, only with the offense. Um, uh, to their credit, I think Tom Sula and – uh, Steve Logan, the quarterback's coach, and Jeep Christ are giving Kaepernick more license this year. He's he's the guy that's that's uh, you know the plays getting radioed in during practice to him. It's his voice in the huddle. He's the one that's hurrying everybody to the line, and and they're giving him the license to do that. So on the field, um, he is uh, you know he, he's been, he's been given more room to take over. Uh, is, is he taking over in the locker room? Uh, I, I I don't think so. Uh, it, it doesn't seem like he is. I think you know at at, at his core he's a very shy guy. Um, I don't I don't think he's naturally like that. Uh, you know a guy who's gonna uh, you know stand up in the locker room and 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 you know have a big uh, rousing speech. That that's not yeah. who he is. How he's built. He's he's a more lead by example type of guy. And you know uh, when when you talk to uh, other players about that. They are they are just astounded by how hard he works to a person, and you know enough people have said this, and enough established people have said this that it's not just pumping up the quarterback. You can you can take it as as gospel that nobody in that locker room outworks Colin Kaepernick, and and they do have respect uh, in, in that regard. Uh, does he need to do a little bit more? Uh, probably, uh, but uh, you know we'll, we'll see how it plays out this season. Great stuff. That is, of course, Matt Barrows. I'm sure all of our listeners already follow you. If they don't, at Matt Barrows. You can find his stuff online, sacv.com, or subscribe to the Sacramento Bee. Matt, thank you so much for joining us. Awesome info, man.
All right, no problem. Thanks for having me on, guys. Oh, it's fantastic. Such yeah. great information. I can have there. him on every week. I love that guy. I, I talk to him all day. Yeah. I want to chat to him about non-football stuff. He seems like he'd be just a fun person to talk to. Yeah, like, so what's your favorite beer? Yeah, where do you go to hang out before or after games? Right. Uh, what are you doing tomorrow? Yeah. You're free? <laughs> do you like disc golf? <laughs> Frolf. I wonder if Barrows is a frolfer. I don't know. I, I yeah. used to love it a long time yeah, ago. Hit him up. At Matt Barrows at Twitter. Ask him if he's a frolfer. <laughs> Please, let us know. Hashtag Gold Faithful. He'll be very confused by that. <laughs> uh, you want to talk about wide receivers? I mean, we, we started touching on it a little bit. Right. Let's let's get to those wide receivers. You know, they're probably going to keep about six guys, right? I mean, that that's pretty standard. Uh, the last couple will play on special teams. We know Anquan Bolden, Torrey Smith. You know, we, right. we know what we're going to get with those two guys. Absolutely. Solid, just throw me the ball, I'll catch it, guy in Bolden. Got the true deep threat in Smith. Also, kind of cool, teammates reunited. Right. You know, they were, they were Super on Bowl that. teammates. Yeah, <laughs> it kind of sucks to they, say that because yeah. obviously we remember who they beat. Yeah, we picked him up a couple years too late, Super maybe. Bowl. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But, you know, Torrey Smith. He's fantastic. Bolden, fantastic. I mean, they're they're just perfect puzzle pieces. Yeah. You got the underneath guy and Bolden, the tough guy. Tory Smith takes the top off. So, so the perfect. big question is who's going to be the number three, right? I mean, right. you got Ellington, you got Patton, you got Jerome Simpson, then you got a whole bunch of other guys that are really looking good in camp right now. So Ellington, it, it, he's in his second year. You know, we touched on him a little bit uh, last week. We talked about breakout candidates. We both really like Ellington. We could talk about that for a while. We think he's probably going to be uh, on special teams as well. Uh, Quentin Patton, another guy that we we kind of were like, which one should we go with? Which guy? Which guy? Right, so right. We know a lot about those, and guys. I think they're probably just going to be used differently. And so that'll be really interesting to see how much um, and how how much they, the 49ers spread it out. Yeah, because there's talk that they're gonna you know they're gonna move faster pace. They're gonna spread it out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. So that'll be really interesting to see how that shakes out and who actually starts to uh, make some big plays uh, from the slot or from uh, you know hey and if and if Torrey Smith or Anquan Bolden get hurt. Someone's going to have to step up. Yeah, which is another reason why this depth is so great. I mean, Jerome Simpson's a guy they signed. You know, he didn't play at all last season. Right. But, but you know, when he did play before that, he's got amazing speed. It's blazing. Oh, yeah. And he's a big, long, tall, fast receiver. 6'2 he, in he, speed. He looks good like in the it. uniform, and that's why he's getting another chance. You know? <laughs> You're exactly right. He fits all those. Uh, those, those uh, The triangle numbers. There it is. Right? That's exactly right. He yeah. looks great uh, on paper. So hopefully he can, and he's looked great so far in camp too. Every report you see is that he's looking good. Uh, some more guys that have looked really great are some uh, undrafted free agents. Uh, DeAndre White out of Alabama, guy really overshadowed in college because I'm, I mean, as most people know, he started opposite Amari Cooper, you know, and you're going to start opposite a guy like that who's a first round draft pick who's expected to be legit. Exactly. Uh, yeah, he suffered a few injuries, had to miss a little bit of time there while he was at Alabama, but, you know, career numbers, 94 catches, 1,294 yards, 12 touchdowns. I mean, those, those are solid numbers. And even with with how much Amari Cooper dominated the ball in 2014, he still came down with 40 catches, right. over 500 yards, uh, four touchdowns. And he's, I mean, all reports out of camper that he, he's been the most electric. Yeah, and... Nick Saban, Amari Cooper himself, all just rave about this guy. Mm-hmm. Um, Nick Saban said that he's been underappreciated and can really develop into something special in the NFL. Obviously, that's his coach probably blowing a little yeah, bit of steam. Maybe not something be. special in the NFL, but all reports are that that he's a legitimate player. So um, I'm interested to see him in games. That's going to be awesome to see. And maybe, you know, if he can compete for, for one of those spots. Because yeah. there might be one spot open. May, there might be two if uh, Jerome Simpson... You're He's right. not going to be big on special teams, most likely. So if someone can make an impact there and they think that Jerome Simpson is then expendable, then maybe, you know, some yeah. of these guys have a chance to make the roster. Uh, Drez Anderson from Utah. Son of Willie Flipper Anderson. Flipper Anderson. I used to hate that guy. Yeah. Right? I mean, well, yeah. Any he, Niner fan should. 
Yeah, I definitely hated Flipper Anderson, but um, glad his son is in town. Another speed guy. Flipper you know? Anderson holds the NFL record. Do you remember that? Receiving yards in one game, 336. That's ridiculous. Drez played 44 games over four years at Utah, 134 receptions, over 2,000 yards, 17 touchdowns. What sucks for him the most is that he suffered a season-ending knee uh, injury seven games into his senior season. Like that's that's one of those things you see on you know on a made-for-TV movie or something. Yeah. You know? Or like it's oh yeah he's he's having such a great career and then right before it really matters he goes down with an injury. He he had a, a, a big name too. Like the, right? a lot of people expected a lot of things out of Anderson his last year at Utah. But um, and he, he put up some good numbers: thousand yards in twenty thirteen on fifty three receptions, seven touchdowns. Big play guy, uh, speedy player. So, you know, we'll see. Yeah, we'll I mean, see obviously DeAndre can... Smelter as well. You know, fourth round pick this year. He's on the non football injury list. They're hoping to get him back, right? I mean, he tore his ACL late last year. I think it was late November or something. But but I mean, the guy was was the leading receiver at Georgia Tech. He was fantastic. He. Uh, I mean, I'd love to see him get on the field, but at the same time, with with a, a list this deep, maybe take There's the red no shirt, right? Need, right. There's no need to to throw him in there if he's not ready and he's not 100 percent healthy. Um, when they drafted him, I assumed that was the red shirt. Sure, know, the classic Balky pick. Trent Balky said though that he could be ready sometime in training camp. Could be ready right. week one to play. So it'll be interesting. He's a big, strong guy. Reminds a lot of people of Anquan Bolden himself. You know, big, strong player. Former baseball player had some shoulder injuries. Apparently, used to throw 90 something miles an hour Ooh. off the mound. Huge hands. He had the biggest hands ever measured at the Combine. I believe he's tied with somebody else for like 11-inch hands. So he was the opposite of Alex Smith. Right, exactly. So. <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, yes, I remember the hand, the small hand the stuff with Alex small Smith. Small hands, Great. small it's, hands. It's always hilarious the stuff that fans hold on to, yeah. the, the weird things, you know. And like these these undrafted free agents, somebody's going to make a play in the preseason, and this guy's going to be the second coming to a bunch of fans. You're and exactly be right. So bummed when he gets cut. You know? <laughs> they're going to keep track of him. They're going to follow him. He's going to sign on practice squad somewhere else. Yep, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Should have never cut that guy. What were they thinking, that Balky? Tight ends. They have eight right now in the ninety man roster. Eight tight ends. They run they, a lot of two tight end sets. Yeah. Kind of makes sense, right? They need right? to get back to more two tight end sets. I loved what they had going with Vernon Davis and Delaney Walker a few years ago. I would love to see more of that. Well, they don't have um, a Delaney Walker. Right. That's, that's the problem. Kind of, and maybe Vernon Davis isn't Vernon Davis either, so yeah. who knows. Yeah. But uh, competition right there, you know? Mm-hmm. Just let him go. Let him battle that out. It sounds like Blake Bell is more of a blocking guy. Yeah. Inline blocking guy, the belldozer. Um, and Although maybe, he's had some hey, good reports, I mean, that he's, that he's catching the ball really well. He's a big guy, 6'6". Six, yeah. six. Maybe uh, a weapon on the, on the new... Extra point rules too, because oh. they did a lot of that in college. Yeah, yeah the bulldozer. So that's interesting. Short yardage quarterback. Uh, maybe some interesting things could happen there. Reports coming out of practice too about Vance McDonald. Really good. I mean, he obviously has been a huge disappointment. Right. As a second round pick back in 2013. But uh, all reports are that he's he's doing really well. I mean, he missed eight games last year because of injury. So you know that also has something to do with the disappointment. Um, but you know you got you got guys like McDonald, you got Derek Carrier, you know you've got a guy like Trevor Knight. He's another con- convert like like Blake Bell. You know Jeep Christ really big on Trevor Knight. I, I read an article today about uh, an interview with Jeep Christ, and he was just raving about this guy six six two hundred sixty pounds can go up and get it. He's blocking really well. It's really exciting. Busta Anderson is a guy I like. I like First the name all, just yeah, alone, yeah. That he has the balls to call himself Busta, right? <laughs> Rory Anderson is the name his mama gave him, uh-huh. uh, but he wants to be called Busta. Mama like, call him Clay. That to be mama call name. him Clay. 6'5", uh, 244. He seems to love the physical aspect of the game, but he's more of like the 
the the large wide receiver type. So right. if anybody could become sort of that Delaney Walker type, I think Busta Anderson. And it's not Buster. It's Busta. Busta. Yeah. With an A. To be clear. Yeah. Make sure when you get your jersey, it just says Busta <laughs> right. on the back. Busta Anderson is the guy that could maybe be that kind of a player. I don't know if the listeners out there know this, but on leadingtheleague.com, I always do this 49er shadow draft because, mm-hmm. you know, I, I get so deep into the draft and do some of my own scouting reports and things. And an amateur scout, I would consider myself. And... In the seventh round, the very last pick, uh, Busta Anderson was the guy I drafted for the Niners. And Look at that. I, yeah, four minutes later, boom, Busta Anderson was the name that they called. So um, actually bookends, I, I I also took Eric Armstead number one. So I, I wow. nailed two picks that, that Trent Baalke usually we don't see eye to eye very much. So, Do you ever uh, throw your shoulder out when you try to reach the arm around? Hack <laughs> yourself? myself yeah. in the back? Yeah. <laughs> no, that's I, impressive. Really <laughs> Tommy John surgery in my future. What about your misses? What did you have as misses? I don't I don't miss. That's oh, the other oh, thing. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... <laughs> Um, well, it's too early to tell. Oh, okay. It's, yeah, it's right. too early to tell. It's obvious that I keep drafting wide receivers and cornerbacks, and uh, Trent Bulky doesn't see my way. He just keeps taking safeties. That's he loves safeties. Eye to eye. Yeah, a lot running of backs. There. He's taking yeah. a lot of running backs too. Yeah, and good running backs. I, I've liked the running backs he's taken. I'm very excited to see Carlos Hyde and uh, Mike Davis as well in action this season. Yeah, most definitely. So you know, we do our big board top five every week. This week, um, we, we're going to do biggest games of 2015. So biggest games upcoming. This season for the 49ers. Right. Do you want to go first or do you want me to go first? I went first last That's week. Right. Let's hear yours. Okay. <clears throat> Here we go. So before I get into it, hold on. Hold on. Because I, I got in deep. I really looked at the schedule. Okay. And then when I started doing that, it, as a Niner fan, you, you hate the, the Seahawks. Right. You just do. So I looked at the Seahawks schedule as well. Niners, brutal. Brutal schedule. It Back-to-back is. home games only once. All year, week six and seven, and it's Baltimore and Seattle. So it's not like there are some easy games there at home. By comparison, check this out. Seattle has back-to-back home games twice. They also have a three-game home stretch right after their bye. That is four straight weeks they get to stay home. Wow, so they're just kicking it the home for a month. In the middle of the season. In the middle of the season. Well, does that mean they have a long stretch on the road as they, well? They do have quite a, quite a few uh, back-to-back road games, which, okay. which isn't going to be easy for them. But that four-week stretch in the middle of the season... Ooh. Also, the Niners have five games with that dreaded East Coast 10 a.m. start. Yeah, that's always brutal. Seattle, just three. Just saying. Okay. Just saying. It's due to primetime games. You know, they, they get a lot of those. But, okay. So, whatever. Whatever. That being said. All right. Your, your <sighs> fifth most important game, what is it? It's week two. It's at Pittsburgh. Okay. It's traveling cross country. They're playing on a short week because they open up on Monday night. Pittsburgh will open up on that Thursday night. So, they're going to have 10 days to prepare for that game. So, hopefully... Niners are coming off a win week one, Minnesota, but that's not for sure. I mean, obviously no games are. So to me, that's going to be a huge game. It's a tough team, mm-hmm. and they have no levy on Bell. No, that's a good call. Yeah, so so I like that as number five. Number four, week six versus Baltimore. Could very easily be a must-win game at this point. Seattle's at home on a short week in week seven, the week after. They could very well, the Niners could very well be two and four, or even one and five at this point, very, very easily. Let's hope not. Let's hope not. Obviously, you know, I, I want them to win every single game for the rest of my life. But it's <laughs> it's a brutal schedule. Week Number three, week 11 at Seattle. Okay. It's because week 10, the Niners have a bye. So they're going to be rested. They're going to have a lot of time to prepare for this. And Seattle will have just played a Sunday night game versus Arizona. So you hope they're a little beat up. And this is a good chance for you to, to, to get a win mm-hmm. against the Seahawks. Week two, or uh, game number two overall is week seven. Obviously versus Seattle. Right. It's at home. They embarrassed us last season. 
on Thanksgiving. They did the turkey on the 50. Ugh. Both teams will be on a short week because it's a Thursday night game. Ugh, I know 49ers were at home the week before, too, in week six. So they have a little bit of advantage there. And then Seattle will have just played Carolina the week before. So maybe they're a little beat up. You know, you hope maybe that defense does a number. On the road? Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. No, no, they're at home I don't against okay. Carolina. But still, still Carolina, good right. defense. Okay. Number one, week one. Okay. At Levi Stadium. Okay, I was so, getting worried because our lists were not nowhere near each other. Oh, that's So we're going to have to battle this one no, out. Oh, that's going to be a lot uh, of fun. The, okay. So, uh, so many question marks, obviously, heading into the season. Uh, it's a nationally televised game. It's the last game of the week. Everyone's going to be watching. And it just it's just such a brutal stretch after that, too. At Pittsburgh, at Arizona, Green Bay, and then at the Giants. Then you get Baltimore, Seattle, at, C- at St. Louis, and then Atlanta, and then you get your bye. I mean, that is a... Tough way to start the season. So I think you need to lock down that game one. It's the most important game. I agree. That game is really important. Uh, we, we differed quite a bit. Okay. Uh, I mean, obviously, the first thing, you, you just want to put all the NL, or NFC West games on there. All, all the all the division games. Right, because they're all so big. And so I didn't want to go that route as much. I only put two. Um, yeah, so I have two on there as well. Here's where I went with it. Okay. My fifth most important game of the season, Week 14 at Cleveland. You see, I, I started looking at the, the, the deep games, you know, but I'm just not sure that they'll mean anything at well, that point, you know, because I'm so pessimistic about the start. See, I, see I, I'm on the flip side there. Yeah, that's I good. I think this is where, if they're good, this is where you're pushing for a playoff spot. Yeah. And at Cleveland, if you go look at that schedule, Cleveland is almost the only team that sticks out where, okay, this that's a is win. a winnable game. Yeah. And if they can't win that game... That's why it makes okay. That's no, why it makes I, my I top totally, five. You've got to win the winnable it. games if you're going to be good. Agreed. And Cleveland is probably still not going to be very good, although it's in Cleveland and there's so much parity in the league. You um, never and, know. Right. You just never know. So okay. Cleveland five. Uh-huh. Four for me is at Chicago the week before, week 13. Okay. So those are back-to-back road games there. That's tough. Um, and for me, this is a huge one because as 49er fans, we will get to see what the 49ers staff <laughs> could have looked like. Yeah. With yeah. Fangio and Gase, uh-huh. the offensive and defensive coordinators there. And uh, it's rumored that if um, if Gase was hired as head coach, he wanted Fangio to stay on as defensive coordinator. So we might see exactly both offensively that. and defensively the schemes that we would have been. So we could have our heart broken 13. or we could just be like, yeah, yeah, that's really? right. We made the right move. <laughs> Team Tom Sula. <laughs> Bulky. Yeah. So uh, number three for me, uh, at Arizona week three. Okay. Um, first division game. Mm-hmm. And week three, and this is why the Pittsburgh game didn't show up for me. It's because the Pittsburgh game, when you look at it, that's going to be so tough on the road, short week. Yeah. If the 49ers lose that, I don't think it's the end of the world. You write but, it up as a loss. But they much. better bounce back. Right? Got it. I like it. So you've got to win a couple. You don't want to be sitting there 0-3 after week three, right, if you do lose week two or something like that. So mm-hmm. um, that's why Arizona week three is the third most important game on the schedule for me. Uh, number two, week one, Monday Night Football, right at home. Yep, obviously, we'll no doubt. Finally, get to see uh, what this new look 49ers is, team is all about. Is number one, yeah, on prime time. Everybody will get to see it. Yeah, so they'll have a chance to make a statement to everybody right. who's been just crapping on them all off season. And they long, have been right everywhere, <laughs> everyone. And number we, one is week seven, right? Number one is week seven. Okay. Yep. Seattle. All right. All right. Seattle at home. We, yeah. We've got to win at home against Seattle. Yeah. Uh, see a little bit of this home field advantage that hasn't really shown up yet at Levi's Stadium. Obviously another um, another primetime game. So nationally televised game. Week seven against Seattle at Levi's Stadium, number one for me. So what do you think? I mean, we flip-flopped one and right. two. One and two, obviously those, those could go either way. Um, I do like the idea of making a statement week number one, one on right? Monday Night Football. Week one. Yeah. Out of the gate. 
All right, good. I'm glad we're on the same page so there. I'll do that. Uh, so then number two will be week seven. Week seven, Seattle at home. Yeah. I really liked where you were going with that Arizona game. I, I am sad that I left it off. Yeah, I really and, am. It, and the only reason the Pittsburgh game, it would be awesome to win that Pittsburgh game. And uh-huh. it's an important game. All, sure. You know, all 16 games are important. Sure. But that's the game that, that you know, it, it's it's going to be a tough win already. So it's not like, oh, man, if they lose that game, it's like, oh, this team right. is in trouble. I like it. I, I'm down but to go with, with that at three. Arizona week three right. as number three. I really am. Because you sold me. You, you sold it very well. Uh, so then we, we really get different here. You right. know, you're, you're looking real late in the season. I was looking more early season. And and uh, so now it's tough. How are we going to do this? Well, so you had three. You had the at Seattle game. I had the at Seattle game coming off a bye. They've played a Sunday night game. It's Obviously is huge. You can't, you yeah. can't go against any of the division games there. So I got no problem with that going. All right. At Seattle, right? Let's do that then. Let's put that as number four. And I like where you were at with the at Chicago thing. So, yeah, really Chicago or Pittsburgh is probably the next two. So, uh-huh. we got to choose one of those probably. That's that's a tough one. Uh, uh, obviously, I would I would go for mine, you know, just because I, I yeah. had an argument for it. It was right. a damn good one. <laughs> but I, I understand what you're saying with the Chicago thing and the, and the coaching staff and all that. It's, it, oh, man, tough one. Tough one. What do you feel? Uh, What's in your gut? My gut is... I hear what you're saying about the at Pittsburgh. We could write that up as a loss, right? I mean, it's not the end of the world you lose that game. It's, yeah, it's not a must-win game. It's tough. It's an Everything, important game. Everything's against you in that game. Right. So it's not must-win. If Of all the games on the schedule, that's the one where you look at it and go, God, that's tough. Right. I can see why they would lose that game. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm in. Let's do this Chicago. So Chicago, week Chicago, 13. Week 13. Fangio and Gase. So there it is. At Chicago, week 13, number and five. Chicago wasn't a good team last year, so... Right. On paper... We should still be a better football team, so we should go back-to-back on the road. Chicago-Cleveland, that'll be interesting. It's going to be tough, yeah. Making like a playoff it. push, hopefully, at that point, Big, week 13 and 14. Big board, five at Chicago. That is week 13, number four at Seattle, week 11, number three at Arizona, week three. Number two is at home versus Seattle. That, of course, is week seven. And then uh, number one, week one at Levi Stadium, opening up last game of the season against the Minnesota Vikings I love it. First game of the season. I'm so excited. Well, yeah. last game of the, the opening week, sorry. Oh, Excuse last game me. of the week, Excuse right, yeah. Right. Monday Night Football. Wrapping up opening statement week of football. Game. Make love a statement, it. 49ers. Oh, man, I'm so excited for football. I am too, man. Let's get out of here. I love it. You can find him at BD Peacock. You That's can right. find me at Bay Area Week. Uh, until next week. Yeah, we want to hear your top five. Let us know. What are the most important games? Hashtag Gold Faithful or tag one of us. And uh, let us know what you think. It's always fun to hear from you guys. We appreciate all the feedback we've gotten so far. Keep it coming. Great talking to you. Absolutely. We try to uh, respond to all of our tweets and all of the correspondence. So keep them coming. We'll talk to you next time. See you.